Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I'm here with Carlos. Carlos is the CEO and the co-founder of Sysense, the all-in-one cybersecurity platform for startups. Carlos was born and raised in Mexico, and his life abroad began when he moved to France for his master's degree. So he lived in France for about a year, and after his study, he moved to the Netherlands and worked there for about seven years. Then in 2019, he moved to Singapore for his MBA at INSEAD, which, by the way, is one of the top MBA schools in the world. And in late 2020, he and his co-founders founded Sysense. Before becoming an entrepreneur, he worked for companies like KPMG and Philips. I'm super excited about today's interview because I believe there are many things that I can learn from him. And also, I did work in Singapore, in the Netherlands, and also worked in cybersecurity before. So, I'm super looking forward to our chat today. So, that being said, welcome to the show, Carlos. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Lucy. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, so you've lived in France. In the Netherlands and Singapore now, and I believe it's been about three years by now. I believe living in Singapore. How do you yeah. how do you like it so far? Um, it's quite fun. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> complain. I mean, I did get to see Singapore in 2019 for about six months on the on let's say the the old normal, and I mm. got the new normal from the beginning of 2020. Uh, for that until now, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty fun place to live here. Like, I mean, you you've been here before, right? You know, uh, you know how it is. Um, I love it. Only thing is the weather. I don't, I don't know if it's too hot for me, but yeah, um, yeah. But you're you from Mexico. Yes, yeah, I am. But it, like, so so some people don't don't know that Mexico's weather is quite like diverse, and the oh. place where like my parents currently live is. Is is a very high place. It's like twenty four hundred meters above sea level. So it's it's uh, usually cold in the winter. I mean, oh. cold you will call like maybe minus two degrees to ten mm. degrees in the winter, and then during summer it, it can get hot. But it, it's it's also dry heat, the one that you get in Mexico, whereas here mm. is humid. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. I mean, honestly, Singapore is one of my favorite countries. However, just like humidity, sometimes oh, I just like. <laughs> If the weather was like, if it, it was not that humid, it's like probably probably the best country on earth. But still, Singapore is a great country. Um, yeah. And did you know you were gonna live abroad? Like, like was living abroad always your kind of like dream or your goal since you were young? Or how did that happen? Mm, um, I think so. I, I I wanted to experience being abroad. Uh, when I was younger, at some point, um, I think throughout my college education, I, I did, like started getting into travel, and I was like, "Well, I mean, this is quite interesting." Um, I did a um, an exchange semester in Prague for about six months, and then I was like, "Well, get, being abroad is fun. Um, mm. It's it's in, it's challenging, but it's fun." And then I decided, okay, I, at some point, I'm gonna I'm gonna go living abroad for for a couple of years. That was my intention. And mm. and then see what it's like, and then come back to Mexico, which didn't happen. 
Wow. <laughs> and like, do you miss Mexico now? Or like, I guess like it's been many years since you left Mexico, right? Yeah. I left in, yeah, over 10 years ago. I, wow. So I don't know. I mean, I always, I always miss Mexico. Um, I think every, every expat like misses their own country, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you, you miss the food, the people, uh, certain things. And, and you have this, I don't know if you have that, but you have this, this problem that you are always missing the place where you're not at. So if you're not oh, yeah. in your home country, you're missing your home country and you're like, you get homesick. And once you're in your home country for a while, you are like, okay, I got my full of this. And I'm, I, I started experiencing the things that I didn't like about my country. Um, and then I started missing the things that I have in my home country. So uh, like that, that's the thing is the grass is greener always, right? In the, <laughs> in the oh other side. Gosh. Yeah, you read my mind. Totally agree with you. Like when I am abroad, I always kind of like back in my mind, oh, I miss my country. I want to visit mm-hmm. there. But actually when I visit after a week or so, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now you are the CEO and the co-founder of SciSense. I have some questions about uh, your entrepreneurship journey um mm-hmm. well before you became an entrepreneur you worked for you know other companies right so i'm curious if you always kind of like dreamed of becoming an entrepreneur since childhood like was that something like that you were always interested in like was it like your end goal when you were working co- for corporations I think it wasn't like it's something that you you start getting like you know it's an idea that you start getting along the way. So when I was when I was uh, I mean you you could argue that like when I was a kid I used to run like small businesses right like I was oh. like eight or ten and I was like I remember I had a um, I had a business I mean quote unquote business um, of uh, like I had a Nintendo sixty four I know you you go to see those and, and then like uh, a cousin of mine had had another one and we had like three different kind of consoles so we were renting them by the by the hour to wow. some people right so we're renting them by the hour and then people will come in and <laughs> use them but it was like super uh, ad hoc it was just for me to get more more uh, more video games right so uh, it was it was just a silly thing that that, that we were doing but i never like touch upon entrepreneurship there, thereafter um so i went to study i i and, and i was just following the normal career but you go for a a, a multinational or a, a company and then you just make a career um there and I wasn't considering um, leaving that path until I like realized that there were many things that I would like to do differently. And that's why I was like, mm, okay, maybe, you know, I should give it a try and, and do my own thing. Wow. Actually, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I find that like they, some some entrepreneurs, they actually do have your story. Oh, when, you, when I was young, I had this kind of like quote unquote business. I had this lemonade shop. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, it was a Nintendo rental service. Well, I think like I, I didn't have that. So I think like, yeah, you definitely had this kind of like, you know, business spirit when you were young, I guess. Um, so you have a strong finance background, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So why did you choose to study accounting and finance for your bachelor's degree? And also you did corporate finance for your master's. So, yeah, yeah I mean, tell tell us more. Yeah, sure. So um, 
my my intention was just like I, I don't know you you never know when you're like uh like going into bachelor what exactly that you you're gonna make of your life I think well, most most people or maybe I'm I'm wrong but um so I I started doing like I wanted to go into business or like you have to choose either business or engineering sort of like, those those are kind of your two tracks mm-hmm. um and I had to go into business and I wanted to do business I didn't want to do general business so I was like okay mm-hmm. why where can I get some some sort of like technical element in business that it, it, it I can use in, in in later, right? That be, because the other kinds of business you you learn as you go. Like you, mm-hmm. you learn. Uh, my my take on that is you learn as you go, um, and or at least at that time it was like I, I'm realizing there are more more specialized uh, business <laughs> business <laughs> areas these days. So I was like, yeah, how how do I do this? And then I thought finance, and and the, I did accounting because accounting is the basis. Is the basis of finance, like finance is understanding accounting statements and then making you know the ma- making juice out of that accounting information. So I needed to know how to build it. But if you if, if like you asked me why didn't you work in accounting, I hate accounting. Like I doing <laughs> the accounting statements, really? I hate it. Yeah, I like I, I just don't don't enjoy it. Um, it's quite uh it's quite soul draining. But uh, but then I went I went to finance and at some point I had this idea of like yeah maybe I want to work for a bank or work for like you know a financial institution, um, which I realized it wasn't for me as I as I experienced more things. Wow! But why did you hate accounting? Well, I have oh, zero wow. knowledge in accounting, so I have no idea. First of all, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's like it's it, it's so I I do think I mean accounting is. Um, it's a very square type of activity, right? Like you have to make things match, and uh, it's quite. Um, so it, it's a, every transaction has has a has a debit and a credit. So you you have to know how to do transactions, but it's all rule based. So accounting mm-hmm. is a very rule based activity. You get the rules, you impl- you implement the rules. Um, sometimes you have to figure out ways where the rules are not existing. But you have to implement your like your thinking process or thinking cap around how to interpret that rule, right? But you can see it as like just a, a, a rule base of, uh, you know, um, taking business transactions and putting them in writing. The reason why I don't like it is because it's very constraining. Like it's it's quite rule-based. So in, in that in that sense, like you're, you just have to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So that's oh, the part that I don't like. it's very routine-based work. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extremely routine based, um, and um, yeah, yeah, and and I feel I I, do, I don't feel I'm creating anything new, mm. so uh, it doesn't. I mean, it does require to some degree that some people do accounting creatively. Some mm-hmm. some of them are successful. Some of them end up in jail. But uh, I don't think you can use creativity <laughs> for for accounting. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, true. I remember I saw like one of my friends um, books, like accounting book, like really thick, like oh, yeah. books, right? They have to read, right? So I'm like, wow, this is like yeah, a lot of work. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Account- accounting books are deadly weapons. They're like, extremely thick. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so you did, you, you did study finance, accounting in the university. And after graduating from the university, you started working for KPMG, right? Mm-hmm. And then about, well, first of all, KPMG is one of the big four, you know, accounting firms in the world. I guess a lot of people want to work there, right? Then um, about two years later, you moved to France 
for your yep. masters. So yep. tell us more. Why did you make the decision? And I'm curious if it was an easy decision because, like, obviously you got you have a good job, and then you quit your job, and then you you know go for masters. So yeah, how 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 was that decision made? <laughs> Um, yeah, good question.、Um, I, I think I had that decision in mind before, so I, I had the idea of living abroad at some point, right? But then, straight out of my bachelor's, I could not move abroad, and the reason why is because、um, it's quite hard to just as a like a newly graduated, you know, bachelor student without experience,、yeah. any any other like international com- like company in another country will take you.、Yeah. Right? Like, they rarely know your university, they rarely、mm-hmm. have background on it, so. Like when graduating, I was okay. I wanna, I know I wanna live and work abroad. So how, how am I gonna do it? I think I should do a master's there、uh, to get familiar with the country, with the environment, and then also to get some degree of international like、uh, validation, right, on my、mm-hmm. CV before I can apply to international companies. And I thought, okay, how that's the next step. How, what what should I do in between? I should work for an internationally known company. Because that's like what people are gonna like. If I mean, you had options to get paid like a little bit more in in more like regional roles and or regional、mm-hmm. companies,、um, but then I was like, well, I mean, an international company should should do it. And and I I did KPMG. I didn't. I, I knew I wanna live abroad, so I, I had the the starting out、uh, option. I also had the let me company transfer me elsewhere option, right? So、oh, KPMG has has a a program where they can transfer you abroad. Um, so I was aiming for that as well. I was, I was like, kind of like,、um, if you were to link, think of risk management, I was, I was not putting all my eggs in one basket. I was、mm. moving, moving my options around.、Uh, but then I, I went for the, for the study abroad. Wow. So it was all your plan, actually. So I guess like when you decided to quit your job at KPMG, it was not like, it was not a. Very difficult decision to make, I guess, because like you always wanted to live abroad and study abroad. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, 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 yeah. And and、um, and and I had like that in mind. I mean, at least、mm-hmm. like maybe two three years in advance, right? So、mm-hmm. I was always very forward with my managers and everybody there. Like、oh. you know, I'm I'm gonna either study、wow. or live abroad at some point.、Um, wow. So yeah, they they knew that. Yeah.、Mm, wow. Then why did you move to France? Like from Mexico to France, it's quite far, right? Yeah, it Or, is. It I don't is know. Yeah.、Far. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's true. I, I mean, I, I I did consider the U.S., but、mm. given the proximity to、uh, like U.S. and Canada, like given the、yeah. proximity to Mexico,、um, I felt it was like I don't know too close. So if I wanted to get a, like a different experience, I needed something a bit farther. But I wasn't, I think, that ready to try Asia, right? Like it's like the, the oh that ready, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that far. I, guess, I know very far.、Uh, fly from Mexico, so I thought, okay, well, I mean something familiar culturally somehow.、Um, and France wasn't my like only option. I did apply to a few unis in different countries. Like I think I considered the UK. I considered France, and、um, I think Germany at some point.、Mm, wow. When you earlier said that, like you wanted to experience something different, I、mm. I resonate with you because when I was in uni, I did my exchange uh exp- exchange program in Sweden, and、ah. I had a choice. I had a choice to choose either like, you know, you know, there are some schools like on our list, like oh, either in the U.S. or 
or Germany or Sweden, but like a lot of people really wanted to go to the US because you can, you know, improve your English and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I'm like, when am I going to even like, when, when am I going to have a chance to live in Sweden? It's really far. I wanted to experience something、True. totally different. So when you said that earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, I understand that. I, I, I've been there, done that. So, yeah. How, how was your Swedish experience?、Um, what are you going to in Sweden? Uh, what, what was I doing in Sweden? Yeah, no, no.、Uh, what, what city?、Uh, what city oh, what you, city? You oh, it's、that? a small, yeah, it's a small city called Yonshoping. I don't, I don't know if you, if you heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I know.、City. There is a famous university in Yonshoping. Yeah. Really? How do you know <laughs>、yeah. Yonshoping? Wow. Because when I was studying in, in France, there were a lot、wow. of students from the Yonshoping University coming, coming in. I went to Yonshoping University. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Oh my gosh,、yeah. oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yes. So I lived in Sweden for about a year, two semesters.、Mm. And yeah, like that university that I went to, we have a lot of international students, like from like、yeah. almost everywhere. And actually, I had a really, we don't really talk. That often anymore, but I, I, I used to have really good Mexican friends. I, I always hang out with Mexicans. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's good. Family, yeah.、Much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just remember we always like, you know, when you are in, you know, doing this exchange program, you party a、mm. lot. You just like, you know, of course, you study, but like you party, making friends. Oh my gosh.、Yeah. Those days. If you、oh、party, they're going to be Mexicans and then over tequila to people, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I learned how to, <laughs> I learned how to drink tequila from them. So thank you guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's good. We, it's like you're evangelizing one person at a time. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Like, because I'm surprised because, like, when I, when I tell people that I, I lived in New Shopping, a lot of people don't really know because, like, you know, it's not Stockholm or Gothenburg, right? But yeah, yeah it's good, good to hear. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a funny thing because、uh, I, I think young, so there were two. Touch points that I had with John Shopping.、Uh, one was like the exchange students from John Shopping University coming into my master's、uh, in France to, to do exchange. There was a way of changing the same uni, so we had、mm-hmm. to share classes.、Mm-hmm. And then another, another time is when I was deciding where to go on exchange. When I was doing my bachelor's, I was doing an exchange semester. I had a few options of in- English speaking universities, and John Shopping、oh、was、gosh. one of them. Yeah. Wow, we could have met if you. Yeah, know, actually, we could, here, could have. We could maybe, have. maybe you actually met people that are like,、um, because,、uh, yeah, I think the, the, the exchange program of John Shopping had a, like, an agreement with, with our uni. So I think the guys, most likely the people you met in John Shopping were from the Tech de Monterrey, which is my university. I don't know. I don't know the name of、yeah. the university, but there were yeah, a lot of French people, actually. I have some good、oh, French、okay. uh, friends as well. So, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> So, how was I know how was living in France? Like, I've never lived in France, but、um, was it like, do you speak French by the way, or did you speak French back then?、Uh, I think I, 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 knew, I knew some basics, and also it's like easier to pick up for a like Roman language speaker. Like, if you speak Spanish,、oh. it's slightly easier to pick up French, Italian, or this kind of stuff.、Um. But、um, I did have like some basic knowledge of French, but I had to learn. I'd speak、uh, more French when I was there because、mm-hmm. you need it. Like, it's the, the, the amount of people speaking English is not that, like, not, not that many. I mean, maybe, maybe now, but by then, not that many people were English speaking. 
And and even even though more people around you are English speaking, the, the people that like are making your life difficult are not English speaking. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> So you have to you have to speak French. You're forced to speak French. Uh, yeah, you're forced to. Like in particular, when like I don't know when engaging with government, when like doing your your mm. telco contract and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're forced to speak French. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to live in France. I I don't know. Like I love the language and I love I don't know. I love I don't know the uh, the vibe that I imagine. I don't know. The the, <laughs> so, the yeah. vibe. Yeah, I don't know. I've never lived in France, right? I only visit. I love Paris so much, so I even traveled to yeah. Paris like three times. Um, but yeah, France is actually one of the countries that I, in my twenties, like one of my bucket list, one of the countries that I want to leave was actually France, but never happened. But um, yeah, okay. So now, uh, after France, you moved to the Netherlands, right? After mm-hmm. your master's degree, um, and. You lived there. You lived in the Netherlands for about seven years. Uh, that was yeah. quite a long period of time, right? So tell us yeah, more about, you know, why you decided to move to the Netherlands from France, why you didn't uh, live in France in a couple more years, and how was living in the Netherlands in general? Yeah. Um, so that was that was a like the part that was very unexpected. I mean, I didn't consider the Netherlands at all. Like I was studying in a French uni, right? So then they are sort of like moving towards you starting to work in, in French companies. And that's kind of like the relationships that you have and the people that they, that they, that they know is usually uh, in, that, in that sector. So um, yeah, it was a, f- uh, a former colleague of mine from KPMG was working in, the, in, in Amsterdam at the time. And a requirement for me to move, uh, sorry, for me to graduate was to to do an internship it's like this this uh graduation requirement of european universities is that you should have some degree of um practical experience so that's that's like when it happened like somebody that i knew was uh living and working in amsterdam and he knew that was like you know looking for for an internship was like oh why don't you just come over uh and that's how it started and i genuinely started living in the netherlands for like just again just six months but then I ended up staying. Yeah, wow. I, I don't know. I like I, I liked it. Uh, it's a very ba- uh, terrible weather, but easy life similar <laughs> to Singapore. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, I think the Netherlands is a great country to live in. I mean, you you will know. <laughs> yeah. uh, or I don't know if your experience was the same, uh, but uh, uh, the mine was was uh, positive. Yeah, I mean, my experience was positive as well. But like, I didn't live in the Netherlands, you know, for long period of time right uh, so i didn't really get to experience like you know you know like really amazing weather in april or may or summer right but yeah i mean what what did you like the most about living in amsterdam bike mm, yeah i think so <laughs> like i mean you cannot yeah you, you cannot not say that bikes are the best part of it but um it's just the freedom of being able to just you know, you don't spend money, you don't spend like, uh, you don't damage the environment, you exercise mm. at the same time, and then you can use your bike to go anywhere. Uh, oh, yeah. I think that's, that's incredible. So yeah, commuting to work in my bike was one of the best things of, of living there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, true. I remember like, when I go out with my friends in the evening, 
like even at night, right? We we、mm. ride a bike and then come come home with bike like even in the midnight, and then like、yeah. it was like really fun because like at midnight,、yeah. like everyone rides bike and you know just like go home together.、Yeah. It was really fun I mean, memory. People people go party right like.、Um... With bike, and, and I do not. I I do not particularly endorse this, and I imagine the government doesn't. But、uh, like, if if you if you have one or two beers, you you can if you can still drink your like sorry, if you can still ride your bike, then you're okay to to ride it.、Um, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of like a sobriety test, right? So, people can you know easily go out and and not having to have that that like thought process of like oh who's gonna drive?、Uh, should、oh, yeah. we get a cab? Um, spend money on it, like yeah, you just go out and party in the city. I mean, also Amsterdam is a, it's not a, it's a European capital, but it's not like an extremely big city, right? Yeah, true, true.、Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, like the, there are so many cozy cafes as well. I mean, this is a、yeah. beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's super beautiful.、Yeah. Again,、uh, as everything you need, like as a small, it has a the not so big city vibe as you know. Like、uh, I don't know, as London will have it, or Paris will have it, like three、mm-hmm. big big cities. But you have the best of it, right? Like you have the 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 football, the concerts, the all other like sport and competitions, international like、uh, businesses. You have everything you need,、mm-hmm. but just in a small place, and you、yeah. can cycle everywhere. The only thing is, the weather is not for everyone, right? Like, I mean, it's the、uh, cold down there. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. precisely. But you can but get the price in that weather. Yeah, but it's not that cold. We like you know, Amsterdam. You don't like you. It doesn't really go minus like minus ten or stuff like that. There, we don't have snow, right? But like, it's very cloudy and rainy. If I'm not, yeah.、Missing. So you don't you don't have snow as often as you will have in other countries.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have snow sometimes, and there are sometimes that the weather can get cold, and it can be like let's say. Minus ten for a, I will not say extended period of time, but for over a week or two, and、mm. and that's when the I mean I only got it twice in my seven years living there that the canals in Amsterdam froze,、oh, so it's like、wow. they, they freeze so people can skate on them like they 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 love ice skating、mm. so、uh, people can can skate on the canals but it only happened twice in seven years. Hmm. Hmm. Got it. Got it. Well. Yeah, I mean, I really love like the Amsterdam, the architecture and the vibe、mm. there. So I even like follow some accounts on like social media that like you know Amsterdam, you know like Amsterdam city photographs kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I get it. And、yeah. and and the vibe is very.、Um, so some people associate Amsterdam with like obviously the red like district and the drugs、mm. and like this kind of like this kind of tourism. Usually, we didn't like that much as、mm. when living there. But、uh, the 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 other Amsterdam, the one that is like more laid back,、uh, yeah, has a lot of art.、Um, it's it's the cafe vibe. Oh yeah, very, it's quite nice, right? Like I don't know、it's、if、so、you、nice. were familiar with this word that、uh, they have in Dutch. It's a word called gezellig. So gezellig、mm-hmm. means like means some something chill, laid back, but comfortable. Oh, it's like it's kind of like warm inside. Uh, it, it, that's kind of like what that world entails.、Um, mm. So this is what I will describe Amsterdam as. What was the word again? Gezellig. Okay, I'm not okay. <laughs> 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 I was like, trying to try to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dutch is very throaty. <laughs> 
So, okay, I see that uh, while you were living in Amsterdam, you were working for Philips, right? Yeah. And you were a senior risk manager there. Can you can you share with most more about like what a senior risk manager does? Because I just don't really have knowledge in, <laughs> yeah. in this. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. I, I mean, it, it depends. Like it's a, it's a, so you know how in, in, in international companies you have roles and roles titles, but then they mean different things. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it, you can, I mean, I don't know. It's just a, a, a corporate design that you have the role and, and, and a sales representative may do additional activities in one company that mm, they don't do true. in others. So it's very, mm-hmm. it's very varied. So my role as a risk manager there was like pretty much uh, manage the risks of um, of uh, what we had as called international markets, which is basically the rest of the company, like kind of the like the sales organizations in every in every country. Um, we had a few things under our belt. We we were managing travel risk, so meaning that whenever um, travel risk was like we we had a system in which we could tell um, when people were traveling to from like uh, you know how you 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 book travels when you're in your company you you say like okay I'm gonna travel to I don't know Egypt or whatever and you have to do it through their system and they're always like oh you have to book through the system mm, yeah. it's because the system keeps that information there um, and then we get that information so I know if something happened to tra- like plane X traveling to Egypt uh, my fir- the first question of everyone is like were there Philips employees on board. Right, so that's something that we needed to manage. Also, manage the risks that our employees could and and, and were facing in 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 other places. Like whenever there was a terrorist attack, whenever there was a um, you know um, pandemic uh, of sorts. Um, I mean, hopefully we didn't get that many. So we were, we had that part. We also had operational risks in in the sense of um, uh, helping people with um, doing risk management reports of of new business plans like you are you know making a new company in a new country with you enter before usually you do a business plan and the business plan has like different elements of it right like you are okay this is the size of the opportunity this is how much we can win etc etc but you have a section that says these are the risks mm-hmm. and the risks are you know political risks uh, technological risks risks of not finding the right the right talent so our work was just to think the worst of every situation and then put it on wow. paper in a report um and um and then more like later on we we were involved in more like the the large scale deals and that's where i did most of my work the large large scale deals were like whenever philips is engaging in a very long term contract high value contract with with um uh with different i don't know hospitals or countries or governments we were involved so if there was a big, a big new hospital project in let's say kenya Right, uh, that will be like I don't know seven hospitals. It's a large project. Uh, Philips is going to furnish the medical equipment, so we will be there making the risk assessment of the whole, of the whole thing. Wow, 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 wow! Super fancy. <laughs> 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 Then, um, did you use like your finance like background while you're yeah. a senior? Risk yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, um, I think that's that's where. So, part one. I mean, finance was one of the elements in in the risk assessment, and mm-hmm. then we had to assess, you know, the financial risks around. Uh, I, I don't know if you are signing. Let's say you're signing a deal, a deal for like over 10 years. I don't know how the world is going to look 10 years from now, right? So, mm-hmm. I need to uh, make certain assumptions uh, in my financial model 
to to cater for that risk. So as the return will like that, that it yields, it's similar to um, to your expectations. So if you are going into a very risky place, it's pretty much like you know risk risk and reward. If you are going to a very risky place, you're doing very risky business. Your return mm-hmm. should be quite high. If you're doing mm-hmm. businesses in, in in a not so risky place, your return mm-hmm. is okay to not be so high, right? So mm-hmm. the the reward should align with the level of risk that you take. Um, so to put it in different ways, is like let's say uh, the way I see it, uh, living abroad is a high risk situation mm-hmm. because you decide to go. To, to go elsewhere in an unknown situation, like to be exposed to things you didn't know. But it's a high mm-hmm. reward situation because then you can you can learn faster than whoever was in the same in the same place, right? Yeah. Staying home is a is a low risk, low reward situation because then you don't you are not exposed to new things. You are may not like, you know, jump in, in your work so 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 high from one year to the other as mm-hmm. as opposed to a person who went working abroad for two years and comes back to their own country. Wow, I've never thought it that way. Actually, a risk management in living abroad—that's super interesting. So, did you do your <laughs> own, <laughs> own risk management? You know, before you live abroad, or even actually, when you think about it, um, entrepreneurship is also aligned with this as well, right? Because right? like yes. huge reward, but it's also risky. So, like, yeah. did you like considering you have background in risk management, like maybe subconsciously even, did you thought did you think about this risk management? Yeah, yeah. Thing? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think like um so ma- ma- managing risks is 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 just like a way to look at data and how you make decisions. But should not mm-hmm. stop you. Like being being risk aware doesn't mean that you should be like risk averse. So it's like, it's just about what you decide and how much you want to take. So entrepreneurship is a high risk, like high reward possibility. Uh, but then if you can cap the downside as by preparing, like getting set up with the right team, um, you know, uh, de-risking your, your situation by uh, doing certain things along the way, um, then you, you have higher chances to succeed than if you just were not to think about. Because then once you are aware of the risks, you can do something about it. But if you never think about the risks, you can never do something about it before, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the the way I I will I will put it or look at it. Like I when I was in Amsterdam, I started um, I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle before, but I was like I always wanted to have a motorcycle, right? So mm-hmm. then I was like, well, that's a high high risk situation. I mean, driving a motorcycle um, is a high risk situation. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. As opposed mm-hmm. to the rest of. Uh, but like how okay so yeah it's a high risk situation i mean high reward depends on, on how you perceive it right like if you really like it or not but mm-hmm. like and and when i was thinking about it people were like yeah but that's so dangerous and blah, blah blah i was like yeah i mean it's a high risk situation but then how do you decrease the risk of that is like well i mean you you buy the best the, the best helmet that you can find you always wear your motorcycle gear um you know you you have a jacket you have uh boots you have uh like had uh, Kevlar jeans, like this kind of stuff mm-hmm. would decrease the amount of risk. Of, you know? And when mm-hmm. I crashed my motorcycle <laughs> at some point before coming hey. here, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, because it ha- like it's something that can happen, right? Like it's, it was a, a scenario that was expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wearing my full, my full gear. Nothing happened to me. Um, I mean, it, it, obviously it, it happened can happen, already. Right? Yeah, it happened. I crashed. Oh, I thought like, before. oh, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. Like, I did it like when I was living there. So I crashed, and like because I was wearing my helmet, my full face helmet. Uh, the the way I crashed, I could have broken my my jaw, right? But 
because I was wearing that kind of helmet. You have different kinds of helmets. You have a helmet where like your face is exposed and, and mm -hmm. it just your helmet covers the, the rest of the head. But then you have this front front face helmet, which is everything is covered. So my mm -hmm. jaw was protected by the helmet and on fall. Um, and, and I didn't break any bones or, or anything else. Obviously, like I, w I wasn't riding carelessly. It was, it was a combination of a bad uh, like uh, um, road uh, scenario and mm. and also my my level of experience maybe I would say, but mm. um, but that's how you manage that. It's like you know something being risky should not stop you from doing it. Mm. Mm -hmm. True. So do you do you ride a a motorcycle in Singapore too? No, I one like entrepreneurship doesn't let me a lot of time to do that. Uh, and then two, uh, I think I will need to convert my license and I don't know how to go about that process oh, yet. So yeah. I haven't looked into it. True, true, true. That is true. Well, you must yeah. miss uh, riding a motor, motor, motorcycle. I do, I do, I do. Mm -hmm. I, I do miss that. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's quite fun. Also, I, I don't know if here the weather will be, uh, you know, good enough to do that because it's like quite hot. So I... Yeah, I'm not sure if that will be that enjoyable, but uh, but I do miss miss riding bikes. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Um, and I also saw that while you were working uh, in Amsterdam, you you also worked as a startup coach for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Can you share with us more about like how it all started and what did you do? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I was um. I was doing that on the side to, to my job and I was doing it like on a pro bono basis. So um, I found this, so I wanted to do something uh, to give back to society and at the same time to get some ex exposure into entrepreneurship because I started thinking about it, but I was not that you know close to it. So I found this newly created um, organization that was doing something that I quite empathize with, which is... At the time, it was during the Syrian war, um, and there were a lot of refugees coming into the Netherlands from from Syria mm -hmm. and Middle East. Mm -hmm. So the the Netherlands took a, took a few number of refugees, and then we had like a lot of them there. And but you, you, I mean, whenever there is a war situation, you have people think of refugees, and and I don't know why, but sometimes they they tend to think that oh yeah, like these refugees are people from like poor countries, you no know, quote quote unquote. Uh, mm -hmm. And they they don't have a lot of education. They don't have like that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Refugees are all kinds of people from the different strata of society. So there were a lot of them that were quite successful in their own country. They mm -hmm. had their own businesses. They had like you know a, a lot of things to show for. But they, it was like destroyed overnight. So when they were moving to the Netherlands, they were like they had to start from zero. And one of the challenges was that the system wasn't made for people like them. The system was made for people to get immediately into the country, get a like a refugee status, then help them to get a, a job as soon as possible. And then after they got the job, they, they were dropped from uh, state help. There was a sort of state help that, that they received. Mm -hmm. So these people who had like the intention to start a business, they lacked the, the network. They lacked the, um, the context of, mm -hmm. of, of the country because they just moved there, not willingly. Yeah. I mean, well, mm -hmm. I mean, they were forced to, to move elsewhere. So this organization was helping them set up a business so they can run by themselves and then they can, they can uh, you know, become independent financially on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so all of these uh, refugees were incredible to work with. And, and our, our job was just to act as like a business council for them, for the, whatever questions they had or 
or um, you know whatever uh, experience they uh, that we had that we could share with them. So that was quite energizing, quite uh, nice uh, because you get to meet people from different countries, you get meet people from different backgrounds, and at the same time you help them. Wow, it's super good cause, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, because I, I love those causes because it's not like it's not it's not handouts. Like I, I think people in in a in a in a situation that they want to change the situation themselves, they don't need handouts. They just need help. They just need the right contacts, the right people, mm-hmm. and. Like I, I put myself in their shoes. If there was a war tomorrow and, and I had to move yeah. my country or I have to leave my, my life behind, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to handle that. I just, just give me the right opportunity and I, and I will make it work. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about it, actually, that is true. Like refugees, it's not like their choice. Oh my gosh, I want to move away from my country. Right. They just yes. like have no choice, but to just like escape from their own country. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think like they're really brave, like, you know, escaping from their own country and living in a new country and, you know, try to find a way to start yeah. their life again, right? In a new country. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's quite heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, now now we're seeing that happening to, to Ukrainians, but yeah. um it is quite heartbreaking because I like when speaking to most of them, um it was it was not like we moving abroad decision. Like I mean yeah. we, we decided to like we 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 had this conscious decision of like oh, I can, I want to move abroad and, and have these chances. They, they were like some of them had to leave their house. Like they didn't have things. Yeah. They just there was one day like they knew okay they're gonna bomb my town and uh, and if I don't leave now in the in the next fifteen minutes I'm not yeah. gonna be alive. Right? Yeah. You cannot take anything. Um. So it was it was quite heartbreaking. It is. It is the yeah it is <laughs> it is definitely. yeah but uh but yeah they're, they're incredibly resilient people and and they're like uh, amazing and and the, it's funny because the majority of them are very giving so mm. uh i remember we had events and and then somebody some of them will be like oh yeah you know uh my wife and i cook this for you guys and then they, they bring us like this middle eastern food right and i was like guys you shouldn't be doing this you should be you know spending time on your, on your own yeah. stuff um but yeah great people Wow. Wow. Great to hear that. I had no idea, but uh, yeah, happy to hear that. Okay. So, um, so you lived in Amsterdam, well, in the Netherlands Mm -hmm. for, for seven years and then, yeah. And then in 2019, you moved to Singapore for the MBA uh, in (laughs) Seattle. So how, how, how did that happen? So, I mean, like, I mean, I admire your journey, first of all, because like you, take different adventures i'm sure you did your own risk management but i mean (laughs) (laughs) you lived in different countries and i feel like you're not afraid of doing something new um because i feel that like you liked amsterdam you had a great job job you're doing this amazing startup coach for refugees and now you decided to move to singapore to study so tell us more (laughs) Sure. I, I mean, yeah, it's like uh, maybe maybe I decide where I get bored and then I like, no, not bored, but I was like, okay, I need a change as well. Like, I want to do something different. And and then I put myself in those situations. But yeah, I, I wanted to, so I decided to go for INSEAD because they had two campuses, no, three, three campuses and different parts of the world. Um, and then you have the option to, to like mix and match where you're studying. So whereas oh. you're studying your MBA, you have a chance to do like, certain amount of months in one campus, certain amount of months in another, 
and then oh, you nice. do it on your own. Yeah. So like I was like, okay, that's a great experience. Um, mm -hmm. Originally, I intended to do the first part of the of the of the MBA in Singapore, and mm -hmm. do the remaining part back in France because mm -hmm. my intention was to go back to Europe and and remain there again. Oh, okay. Um, but uh but you know life happens uh, covid yeah. happened uh, a lot of other things happened and uh and then i was like well i'm just gonna end up here like similarly to moving to amsterdam it's like is is an unexpected uh consequence wow wow <laughs> but like what but first of all why did you decide to do mba like you you did like master Mm. And uh, did you feel there is a need for an MBA for um, you, or? I think the reason why I decided to do the MBA was for the experience, because mm -hmm. it's a good moment. I mean, uh, it's an expensive experience, but <laughs> it's a it's mm -hmm. a good moment to to reflect in, in whatever you want to be doing and be exposed and ex experiment with mm -hmm. multiple things at once. And then also, it's like a like a fast paced way of getting to know like. A, bunch of people from different backgrounds industries and and countries all at mm -hmm. once um and, and and that 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 is a transformational part of it it is like not the classes you're not going to learn like pretty much nothing that you cannot you know read in a book or or learn online or like you know that's that's not precisely the the case it's more about what you do with it like the, the kind of mm -hmm. things you put yourself through and the way i saw it it was like I, particularly the asian part was the one that like made my my decision happen mm -hmm. was that i wanted to live in asia for a short while because i never did it before and i wasn't exposed to to any asian country as as a as a local there so mm -hmm. that that was the main driver of my decision now look at you it's been almost three years in asia yeah right <laughs> so uh, i didn't know i will I, I would have liked it so much um but yeah well, now we're talking about your university experience. I have one question. I noticed that you've you've been involved with a lot of leadership activities mm -hmm. in INSEAD as well and other schools. And also, I noticed that you were in music club, if I'm not wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, so, uh, I was <laughs> tell me more. Tell us more. What are these, especially the music club? I'm curious. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, fair. Um, I was doing a lot of, um, so when, when you're in school, I mean, just, just go to school, you do your, your like schoolwork and whatever, but I don't like, I found that doing clubs, doing like extracurricular activities helps you meet more people. And it's quite like, I mean, at the end of the day, you are the, you are the result of the shared experiences you had with different people, right? Um, like, uh, I see, like you know, humans are learning by 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 doing, and and I thought like, okay, well, and this is the best way to to get you know together with some people. And I I gave I always experimented, and if I liked it, I remain on it. If I didn't, I didn't. So that's why I wasn't getting tons of stuff. Uh, some of them were leadership, some of them were like transformational leadership. Um, but the music one was because I wanted to learn to play an instrument, and I started with it, and I ended up like doing it for a long time. Um, through throughout my bachelor and and then thereafter wow. like yeah in amsterdam i in amsterdam and before and i think everywhere i had a, i had a, a band that we would play together uh you know uh, a few times and and record something or or not 
Uh, but I haven't had done it in a while. I do, I do miss playing guitar. But the, again, entrepreneurship is is a full time, full time job. That's cool. You play guitar. That's cool.、Mm-hmm. So funny thing, I, I asked this question <laughs> because when I was in my university, well, I only did for a year or a year and a half only. But I was in the rock band in my uni. What? And、okay. yeah, but okay. Before I say this. I'm just gonna tell you that I'm not good at this, but I just somehow I did it. But I was a singer, but、oh, okay. <laughs> I always say that. But I'm saying, oh, I used to be a rock band singer. I'm like, oh my god, you sing so well. Oh, wait, okay, hold on a second. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed performing, <laughs> and so、yeah. I just became a singer. But yeah, I mean, it's、nice. really fun, right? Like having a band and just like you know. Yeah,、perform. it's just a very. I、Practice. feel it feels very is very liberating, and then、mm. I, I'm sure you say, "Yeah, I wasn't good," but then that's like the、no. the Korean. I'm not that good. It's like the the you you like karaoke in other parts of the world. It's、oh, just people、yeah. like being drunk and singing terribly. Karaoke in Korea becomes a singing contest. It's like yeah,、uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like Korea has got talent. Every single time you go out with your friends, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, it's a it's a very different.、Experience. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're pretty good,、uh, pretty good at singing. But it's very fun. It's very fun. That's、it's、nice.、Really、what、fun. kind of what kind of rock music were you singing? You know, like at that time, at that time, long time ago,、uh, the I think like、um, the Kelly Clarkson, that kind of that kind of. Oh, okay, song, okay, okay. I think it、yeah. was not like heavy metal, that kind of rock songs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a- Avery Lowe. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Avril Lavigne, right? Oh,、uh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I, I, I <laughs> And recall, some Korean yeah, that, band as that well. Gives, that gives out our age, but、uh, like the emo, <laughs> the emo、uh, section that like we had through、uh, through those two. Through, I, I get, I get what you mean. <laughs> you know、um, what I mean, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the yeah songs that I use. We used to sing. We used to play, but. Yeah, no, we were a bit more like rock heavy. I mean, we were playing like it depends the different kinds of bands, different kinds of people.、Um, I was playing at some point progressive rock, and other and other and other times we were playing like yeah pop rock type of type of yeah, rock, yeah. punk rock. So it's by right.、Uh, yeah, I, I think、um, I mean all kinds of music are, are like there are some songs that are just easy but super fun.、Um, mm. Like also some some songs that are like.、Um, Technically complicated, and that that makes it entertaining, but、mm-hmm. they are not like easy to listen. So,、uh, like、yeah. there are all, all kinds of of music that is in a band. Like, I I prefer to play like all kinds of stuff, fun、mm-hmm. stuff, like random stuff,、uh, technically difficult stuff. Like it's it's always fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, so um. So now, okay. So you moved to Singapore.、Uh, you did MBA, and、uh, you founded、uh, Sciences with your、uh, co-founders. So、mm-hmm. I mean, well, I used to work in cybersecurity, so、oh, yeah. I'm super excited that like your company,、uh, you know, your company is creating this cybersecurity platform for startups because you know I know that a lot of startups kind of like. Underestimate. I don't know if it's the right way to say this, but like we don't really take it too too seriously about the security. But actually,、mm. it's the core of your business because nobody wants to do business with a company that doesn't have secured 
security. So yeah. tell us more about like what SciSense is and you know how it's born and all these stories. I'm curious. Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. Um, so sure, um, like so, like you mentioned, SciSense is like uh, not in one place for cybersecurity, and the intention was. Why we did it is because we saw, um, so my, one of my co-founders used to work for a cyber consultancy firm. Um, and then what happens is like this startup or small business will be like, you know, I need to do something around cybersecurity. Like that, that's a moment that, I mean, you think about it and then you just go and, and, and try to quote with one of like these big players. And then you, you, you are like, you receive an invoice that, or not even invoice, you receive a quotation that it is like ludicrous for your size. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yep, I cannot afford this. Um, so let me deprioritize and, and we're like, yeah, that shouldn't be the case. Like, I mean, everyone should have access to cybersecurity and this is why we're doing it. And then the other reason is because like you said, startups, like don't tend to think of this. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's because they have a lot of stuff to do. Like you, you, you're selling, you're like doing marketing, you are like working on your product. Like this is the last thing you have time to think about. So like, but unfortunately something you need. Um, mm-hmm. one, to keep the data of your customer secure. And then two, when you're selling to bigger companies for them to take you seriously, right? Because then a mm-hmm. bigger company is going to be like, oh, I'm going to run a risk for hiring you small startup. And, mm-hmm. uh, and how do I mitigate that risk is, again, from the risk management perspective and when I was at, like, at the company, I mean, if I were to do a, a risk report on, on, on a specific deal, right? I will be, have a section that says suppliers and then, okay, how old are these suppliers? How big are these suppliers? Are they going to like let us down tomorrow? So as a startup, you're already like ranked as a high risk. So mm-hmm. the best way to demonstrate it is to have good security. Um, if you have a good security, like you have a certificate or something to show, the people are going to be like, okay, yeah, I take you seriously. That's like, I will move you down my, my risk list and, uh, and I will be more likely to do business with you. So that's, that's the part where we help them with and, and we are enabling startups to, to do that. And it should not cost you an arm or leg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know like I mean honestly like having like this security appliances whether it's a hardware or software uh deployed for startups yeah. it, it costs a lot of money and like yeah. and also it's not kind of like number one we know that like it's very very important even I have cybersecurity background and I I know that it's important but like because like there's so many things <laughs> yeah. to do in the to-do list yes. and we kind of like yes. thinking that oh it should be okay you know maybe 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 uh next quarter or maybe next year right we yeah. kind of procrastinate it but actually it, it is really important so yeah yeah the, the, the typical one that i hear is like oh i'm working on a specific product to sell to the companies but like we have this product milestone that we're gonna hit and then after the product is ready i'm gonna start thinking of security it's like yeah, yeah that's too late man like that's that's already you know uh, and 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 the other the other problem is yeah like you said hardware software but the, there is security everywhere nowadays which is a good thing like mm-hmm. you you're using you're using like I don't know uh, Google Workspace you you have some security um, mm-hmm. functionalities embedded in it right like you're using Stripe to to manage your payments you you have a lot of security mm-hmm. functionalities in it so it's all about like you going uh, fixing things in in different places and connecting whatever you have and and enabling it. And at the same time, like seeing it from a, from a policy perspective, it's like, okay, you make the conscious decision of enabling or disabling something. And then you can explain it to other people. Like, uh, are you doing backups? Yes, no. Um, are, you, are you enabling, like, how do you manage access with your employees? Yeah, we have multi-factor. We don't have multi-factor. 
we have this or that. We we uh, we use you know everybody's working remotely. Um, how do they get access? Like, are you allowing people to connect from cafes randomly everywhere in the world, mm. or are they connecting mm. just from the house? So these kind of policies that it should just take you like ten to fifteen minutes to think of, but you tend to procrastinate. So I'm fighting procrastination. Yeah. yeah wow you gave me a lot of things to think about actually <laughs> thank you well yeah i mean this is really amazing i mean i think one of the reasons why uh you know why we well i procrastinate is i think a lot of it is because I don't know how much I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know security is important, but I don't know, as, as you mentioned earlier, I don't know what pol- how I should make this policy setting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stuff like yeah. that, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, precisely. And then that's like, that's kind of like the pinpoint where like trying to 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 help companies to, uh, to, to get uh, to the point of that. Like, I think we tend to procrastinate when we, we have, I don't know about you, but I procrastinate when I have a task ahead of me. And I feel, I feel it's like too big and it's like a big block of tasks, right? And, yeah. and then you're like, uh, this is a big thing. Uh, it's very important, uh, but yeah. I need to do it right. So I'm just going to let me do these other tiny things first. And, and then like, you start doing that later, right? But if you were to have like this map uh, that tells you, look, like this is not a big task. This is mm-hmm. just a small number of tasks all put together. And this is how you should do it. And this mm-hmm. is what, like, uh, I will the, the platform that we have will, will tell people, right? Like, this is this big task that this mammoth in front of you is actually like a bunch of small tasks that you can do at your own pace. But you start like is like the first five minutes, just work five minutes on this, and mm. you will realize it's, it's easier than you think. Yeah, I mean, if I knew that it's only taking me like five to ten minutes, then I would do it because like I wouldn't do it because mm. I don't know how, how long it's gonna take. It just seems so difficult. And I think a lot of like because nowadays there are so many like not so many, but there are many startups, right? In the yeah. world. And uh I, I'm very sure that you know there are many companies out there who need Sisense. <laughs> yeah, well I, I, like they can contact us. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um okay just a couple more questions. So this is actually my personal question as well. Uh, what are some lessons you learned during the entrepreneurship journey? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Any advice? <laughs> Jesus, like, uh, okay. Let me let me think that through. But it's, uh, it's a tough question. A, yeah, it is a tough question. Um, I think one is that uh, I think the first one is that focus is very important like there are a bunch of stuff you need to do like that there there is there is a countless uh items list of things you need to do but like you have to do the ones that are gonna move you towards your goal and you have to be able to be comfortable ignoring the rest and i want to say ignoring is like you have to be comfortable like moving those aside for a certain moment um so that's 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 one, um, yeah. I, I think that's like kind of like the most important one. A few other ones is like everybody's got an opinion. Mm. Everyone is like got like uh, suddenly you tell somebody, yeah, I'm starting a company or I'm doing X or Y, and and suddenly everyone is a coach, right? Like, um, <laughs> not to not to tell people anything, but it's like suddenly everybody's a coach. It's like. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. you, you you know how like it happens I don't know like with, with sports like I'll see it when Mexico is playing the World Cup uh, football 
and like suddenly if Twitter is flooded with like people saying, oh yeah, he shouldn't have done that and whatever. Yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. everybody is a sports expert, right? And then suddenly everyone is like a war expert now. And suddenly everyone is like a, like a pandemic expert uh, when it happens. So the mm. same thing happens with startups. Like you start a company, everyone is an expert. Um, yeah. Everyone has something to say, uh, which is good. But then it can be, you know, from the receiving end, you hear it everywhere. And it's a lot of advice. that you, So you have to figure out what, which advice to listen to. Ah. Oh. Those those two are really, really great advice. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like all of a sudden, you know, people have so many different opinions. And yeah. obviously you want to, you know, especially like, like still, I mean, in my early stage, but like initially did the, the first couple of months, I was I wasn't really sure which advice to listen to, right? Because like, oh my mm. gosh, like this person says this one, and the another person says B. Oh my gosh, what should I do? And also, the first advice is really great as well because you know focus is really important, uh, but it's so hard to say no to other opportunities because like, oh, I want to grab this opportunity. Oh, this, girl, this oh, opportunity yes. seems nice too. I'm, I want to have everything, yeah. but then yeah. yeah, but like when that happens, I just lose focus and i don't yeah. get anything done <laughs> yeah yeah and then because you have i think that happens to us because we want to have the feeling that we're moving forward because then yeah. being the, the feeling of being stuck is the worst feeling right because you want you oh want gosh. to for things so to true. move forward so because you have that need of things to move forward you you cling into every opportunity that makes you feel as if you're moving forward yeah. But then the question is like you're moving forward in which direction? And and that's where I said like focus is important because then it is like, well, I mean, I am moving forward uh if I do this activity A, but mm. um but I'm not moving forward faster in the direction that I I, I actually need to go. So mm. that's it, the, the hardest thing. It's like you're feeling that you're achieving nothing, but at the same time you have to like leave leave things be. And mm. uh but I think that pays off in the long run. Mm -hmm. Wow, super great advice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, still learning. Like, I, I, have, I don't have all the answers. I don't want to be one of the 10,000 mentors that I mentioned. Okay, two more questions. So, what? So, there are many people that, you know, who are maybe confused about their career, right? Um, mm. Especially like, in mid-career these days, I see a lot, right? Like, oh, like I've been working in this industry or working for this job for maybe five, six, seven years. And now like, oh my gosh, like I want to try something new or right. Or yeah. they are confused, right? So what advice do you have for anyone who's figuring out their career path? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm not a mentor, but I think that what helped me was to... Um, when when I did went and and study something else, like started the MBA, for example, that's a good moment of reflection. So you're like stepping out of your day to day, and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if you not everyone has the chance to do that, right? Like, but if you have the chance, that will be the best. Do get the mm -hmm. chance of stepping out of your day to day for at least a month, and mm -hmm. and then try something new whilst you're doing that. Like, sign up for a course of like I don't know, like a full time course of coding or a full time course of whatever so uh, like get a new a new perspective and then you will be able to reassess things like uh, because i think perspective is the most important thing mm -hmm. so getting 
putting yourself in situations where you're going to gain perspective is the best way to figure out what you want to do. But if you want to figure out what you want to do just from doing the same thing every day um, and not doing anything different, it's not going to mm-hmm. come to you like a eureka moment. Nobody's learning that that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like no, no achievement is going to come from not doing anything. It is like, mm-hmm. it just I see it as experimentation. If you are trying to discover a, like a new, um, a new medicine, I mean, you have to do tests, you have to mm-hmm. do research, but it, mm-hmm. like, it's not going to come to you without any, yeah. mm-hmm. any research. So uh, like, that's, that's, I think the best thing to try is like, and if you don't have the chance to step out of your comfort zone for one month, then just start trying to do new things on your own time. You will be amazed mm. like how how much time you have. Uh, at least yeah. I feel like when I was working in a company, I had so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you have time. Uh, yeah, it's just about true. like, you know, how do you decide to spend it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like to expect different results, we need to take action, right? Different actions, right? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Okay, the last question. I'm really curious about uh, your answer to this question. Um, what's your favorite book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners, or just in general? Uh, Jesus. Um, I mean, I got, I got, I don't have a favorite book, but um, you mean like, like any kind of book or Not any book, like just, or... yeah, any book that you like to recommend um, to others. So there is. There is, I mean, there is something that comes to mind for me that um, uh, that kind of fits with the with the topic of living abroad. Um, I think there it's there is a book called um, the Culture Map, and culture the map, okay. yeah the Culture Map. So the Culture Map was written by Erin Mayer, which happens to be an INSEAD professor too. But um, mm. like she she's a great um, yeah she's a good she's a great uh, book writer. So the book is about how different cultures um, do different things and then how to use it. Like it, it, it gives you a framework of how to do a cultural assessment where you're in a new environment. Mm. Um, and, and then that's how you can think. So for TLDR is there are a few things that you need to consider, like the way of communication. So that's a, the one that I remember the most. So communication styles. Mm-hmm. And then there are like two, two, two angles to it. One is high context communication and low context communication. And then mm-hmm. there are two sides of the spectrum that I know here. Uh, doesn't mean that they are like one is better than the other. It's just they are different. And you have to understand how your communication style is relative to the place you are at or the person you are talking to. Wow. Um, high, con- okay. high context communication is um, Japan. Japan is high context communication, meaning okay. they say things in between the lines. They, they like uh, Asian cultures are more high context communication than, than Western cultures. You mm-hmm. say things without saying them, right? So people need to be aware of everything you do, how you speak, uh, the context, the, the, the situation. And that has a lot, a lot, of, a lot of benefits and, and disadvantages. Low context mm-hmm. communication will be the, the country with one very, like low context communication is the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. That is extremely direct, right? Um, so people there will be like super direct to you and, and they, they, they will not mind, uh, reading between the lines. They will not think about it. So not say mm. one is better than the other. So 
the book has a lot of different elements of the framework to consider, and then they put countries around around those. And I think it's extremely great if you're moving elsewhere because it will help you understand why you fit or you don't fit and how you feel about about um, um, the culture of your new country. Wow, I I want to read that book too. Yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> you should, you should. I can send you the link later. Yeah. yeah. How is Mexico? Uh, is it high I context think, or low context? Um, I think Mexico is is a slightly high context. I think Latin America is high context communication. So, when, for example, an ex- um, the ba- major example of cultural uh, communication in Mexico that is high context is that Mexicans have the inability to say no to people. Um, like you don't want to make people feel bad. So, really? Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So if you go, so if you go to like. Let's say you're in Mexico, you just moved there, you're a new, a new expat there, and people are going to be extremely friendly to you. So uh, they're going to be like, first day in, first like week in the company, they might inviting you for drinks, and, or mm-hmm. they're going to invite you to like things that in, in Asia will be not seen, like, oh yeah, come over, like I, I'm, I'm meeting my family on Saturday, but I just like come oh, over, yeah, and uh-huh. you can, you can, yeah, you're, you're new to the country, come over, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something unlikely to happen in Asia, right? You have to warm up yeah. into, like, into, into your new relationship. But um, but Mexico will do that. The problem is, like, let's say you tell someone, like, hey, I'm having a party on Friday. Do you want to come? And then, like, let's say I have plans. I'm Mexican. I have plans. I will not tell no. I will say, really? like, oh, yeah, what, what time are you having the party? Uh, 10. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, like, let me see what I can do. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see each other oh, sometime. Yeah. Friday. You are now recalling your Mexican experiences and, and, and like, you know what that's quite similar to asia i mean asia is huge but like even in korea as well like hey like you know i have a party and even though like whether there's a situation where if i have an appointment already or maybe i don't want to go right then usually we say oh let me see let me see what i can do i'll I'll let you know but actually usually (laughs) it's like usually the case is no yeah yeah yeah. but we don't want to say no because we don't want to offend people right um yeah but yeah that's that's actually true Hmm, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's like I think Mexico in communication is more high context, and then there are other mm-hmm. elements like hierarchy, like uh, how do you react to power, how do you give feedback, like many many things that are wow. that are distinct. So I recommend you that to read the book; it's pretty good. Well, it's a it's a great book recommendation for me and our listeners too. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no, happy happy I mean, to to do that. Yeah, I mean this is all we got. Uh, is there anything that you wanna you wanna mention um, before we wrap up? Um, no, no, I mean, no, nothing. Just thank you. It was very fun to talk to you, um, throughout, all throughout and, and then before. And yeah, if, if, I will say like, if anybody's thinking of moving abroad, like they just, they should just try. Um, mm. yeah. Worst case scenario, you just go back to your own country. Yeah, I know. That's so true. Right. The worst case scenario, like, you just go back home. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. That's it. Uh, thank you so much, Galas. It was good chatting with you. Thank you, Lucy. Likewise. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode. And now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. 
make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired we never know lastly be sure to subscribe and follow self-made expats with lucy john on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and i will talk to you very soon thanks for being here